0: Good morning, thank you so much for joining us here at One Church. We're starting a new series uh, this week entitled "Home Wrecker," and we're going to be looking at five different ways that homes and marriages and relationships are wrecked. And uh, i got to be honest with you, I am uh, accompanied by the prettiest girl I've ever met in the world. She's my wife, and uh, her name is Kim. Can you all welcome her, please?
1: Good oh,
0: <clears throat> And I want to let you guys know before we dive into this, a couple of things. Um, um, My number is going to be up on the screen because we want this to be highly interactive. So for the next five weeks, um, you guys are going to be texting in uh, questions about relationships, marriage, and all this stuff, and we want to be able to answer those. So uh, make sure to go ahead and take that number down, and uh, we'd love to be able to answer your questions today. I also want to let you know that even though we're going to be answering questions or we're going to be talking about this together, that my wife and I, we don't have a perfect marriage. Um, in fact if you know us uh you know that to be true okay um, in fact we're, one of the things that we're going to kind of do up here is we're going to kind of go back and forth and we might interrupt one another uh there's going to be playful banter and some of you're going, "Do they even like each other?" and we do. Uh this year uh, uh this year uh, we're celebrating 19 years worth of marriage. So um I am so stoked and uh so we're going to have a great time up here, um, and uh, like I said, it's just going to be fun. So also, I also want to let you know of a resource that we're selling at our resource table. Uh, it's this book entitled Real Marriage, The Truth About Sex, Friendships, and Life Together. And it's by Mark Driscoll and his wife Grace. Uh, he's a pastor at a church called Mars Hill in Seattle. Fantastic church, great resource. It normally sells for twenty-two ninety-nine, and we're selling it for $20 at our resource table. And, uh, and we're we're eating some of the cost because we want to make sure that you get this in your hands, and so that you can start working on relationships. And in fact, let me just read you some of the table of contents because some of it I can't even read because I'll blush. Um, uh, th- there's a whole section in here. There's it's a three uh, three sections. The middle section's about sex. So that's the one I've been reading about. Um, I'm with you, me and you. All right. Uh, sex is it God gross or gift? Uh, great chapter. Disgrace or Grace. Uh, there's one called The Pornography Path. Selfish Lovers versus Servant Lovers. And then the last chapter in this section, chapter 10, is Can We and Fill in the Blank? That's a good one. I already read it. So, anyway, um, that was a little bit more humorous in my head than it was out loud, all right? <laughs> all right, anyway. But I, I do want to let you guys know this is a PG 13 uh, sermon. Today we're not going to, I think, delve into anything uh, in our talks today that's going to make anybody blush or anything. But I can't control you guys' questions, so there you go. Uh, I want to say at the outset of this series, um, we know that we have a lot of different people here uh, this morning. Uh, we have some people here who um, you guys are married and you're you're so in love and you're like you know birds are chirping and rainbows are showing up and we hate you, okay. <laughs> um because there are others of us here that's just not where we're at Uh, there are some of you that you know what you've not called the divorce lawyer you know everything is okay but um it's you're kind of like running on two different rails and you're never intersecting and you're just kind of there you're kind of in a rut relationally with your spouse and uh, there are others of you that here in the next week to two weeks you're going to be serving papers or you're going to be receiving papers and there's going to be a dissolution of marriage. And there are others of you who um, want to be married. Uh, you're single and um, you really want a spouse. And I'm going to say that we're going to talk some things even in today's message. But through all the next five weeks that you're going to be able to take some stuff from this, these talks. And lastly, there are others of you who, you know what, you've just been struggling because you've recently gotten a divorce. And that pain is still fresh. And uh, uh, there's still just a scab over the, 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 the scar of your heart. And just even talking about this is difficult. And we want to let you know that we're going to do this in such a way that we want to be um, sensitive to where you are at. Um, because all of us, we struggle at relationships. And let me tell you, here's the reason why. Because you know what? It is easy to fall in love. You know what I'm saying? How many of y'all have ever fallen in love? Let me see your hands. All right. By the way, first service, I kid you not, we had, um, we had two people who were married, and the wife raised her hand and the husband didn't. <laughs> Dear Jesus. All right. That's not good. Okay. In fact, I told him, you need to go get this book. It's free. Go get it now. All right. Anyway, <laughs> it, was, it was humorous. All right. All of us have fallen in love. And you know why? It is easy to fall in love, isn't it? Let me tell you the prerequisites to fall in love. Here's what you have to have. A pulse. That's it. In fact, one of the things that Kim and I—we kind of go back and forth. I grew up in this area, and um, I was this type of guy that um, I kind of had a crush on every living thing. Every living thing. All right, very good. So a lot of times when we're kind of around town, bebopping and scatting, um, I'll uh, I'll see, and I'm like, hey, I went to school with her. And what did you say?
1: And you had a thing for her.
0: And I'm like. Yeah. (laughs) I did, right? But you know what? Amazingly enough, I see some of these ladies I had a thing for, and they don't look nothing like you. I'm just going to say that. By the way, she ran a half marathon yesterday. And I am so exhausted. I'm telling you, in fact, I may need to sit down here in a minute because just, just watching all these people run, I just got. Man, I need a coke or something. I mean, come on. Anyway, but we're gonna have a great time. So uh, I'll let you go, ahead and I'll stop talking so you can speak. So,
1: okay, great. Okay. <laughs> well, it is my honor to have the um, have the opportunity to be able to uh, teach with Chris, and um, just excited about what God is going to show us in our our marriages and our relationships. Um, things that we can do in our homes, and um, so we are just excited to to be able to do this together. And as Chris and I were talking about the whole falling in love thing, um, one of the statistics that we found is that currently there are about 1,500 organizations that have been created to help people connect, to help people find that love connection. Mm. You can do it online. Okay, you can do it online. You can, you know, look it up. You can do speed dating. You can go to someone who runs an office that helps you meet people. I mean, it really is a statement about how much we long to connect with other people. I'm sure we've all been at a place in a season in our life at one time or another where we've been like, oh, I don't need anybody. I'm good. I just I don't trust people. I don't want anything to do with people. But really, at the heart and the core of who we are, God has created us to need others. He's created us to, that we long to be in community with others. And making that love connection is no different. The average wedding at this time usually costs somewhere between twenty and twenty-five thousand dollars. Do you know what I could do with that kind of money? I mean, come on. Wow. Uh, I think about 19 years ago when Chris and I were getting married, my budget was not anywhere close to that. Um, and, and I think we had a nice wedding. We did. we did. I thought we did. it was really pretty.
0: Oh, yeah, it was good. You I looked, liked it. You looked good. Yeah, you yeah. looked great, too. Thanks.
1: So. Anyway. Anyway. Um, Just that we long to make that love connection, and so, you know, if we think about all the organizations that are trying to help us hook up, and then we, you know, we we go through that dating process, and it's like, woohoo, we're going to get married, and we invest all this money into getting married, and then what happens after we get married? Yeah, life. You're right. We don't spend a dime on anything after that. We don't continue to pour in. We've spent all this time pursuing, all this time looking, all this time connecting, all this time planning, celebrating. And then once all of that is out of the way and it's just you and your spouse, then what happens? And that's what we want to talk about today. How do we fall in love and stay in love? You know, the majority of the movies that we see today, especially romantic comedy, have to do with what? Falling in love. Boy meets girl. Little bit of conflict. Then at the end of the movie, everything's good. They come together. Well, what about staying in love? What does that take? What do we do after we pursue? In the initial stages, what do we do to continue to pursue the one that we're in love with?
0: And here's the thing about this. You know, all of us, if I were to ask the question, how many of you believe that you can fall in love... You can stay in love and stay married happily ever after until the day that one of you passes away. How many of you believe that that's possible? Let me see your hands. Okay, keep them up. Look around, guys. Almost everybody believes that's possible. But so many of us, we don't think it's probable for us. All right? We think it's possible even though maybe our parents, it didn't work for them. We think it's possible to fall in love, stay in love, and to be married happily ever after, uh, even though it may not have been your experience in your previous marriage. Um, We all believe that it's possible to fall in love and stay in love, even though our friends, they've not experienced that. We all think it's possible, but for some reason, we don't think it's probable. And a lot of it's because of statistics, a lot of it's just because of the world that we live in. But I think just the fact that we think that it's possible is like the fingerprint of God on our lives. Because God has created us as relational beings, and he wants us to come together and stay with one another till death do us part. And that's huge. We, but here's, here's one of the things, and this is the first homework we're going to be talking about today, is this natural drift towards Isolation you see the verse we're going to be looking at today in Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 It was probably read in your wedding And then uh, after you read it in your wedding You probably didn't think about it too much after that But it's this two become one that we're going to be looking at and what the problem that we see is That God brings two people into one and then life happens like you said and the natural tendency is to drift apart You don't even have to try to drift apart it's just a natural inclination that happens to every couple. In fact, if you don't try, if, if, I mean, if you're not actively working in your marriage, that's what's going to happen. It's just the facts. Our tendency is not drift towards one another. Our tendency is to drift apart from one another. So how do we how do we stop that slow? That slow isolation. And the first one, the reason why the the isolation takes place is because we don't persistently pursue. We don't persistently pursue. Now think about this. When you wanted her to like you, what did you do? Think about that. Think of some of the things, the crazy things that you did. Right? Or ladies, think of some of the crazy things that you did in order to get the attention of the man that you're now married with. Some of you are blushing even now. right? I mean, you did some crazy things. Why? Because you pursued one another. Persistently pursued. So let's look at the very first book of the Bible. It's the book of Genesis. And we're going to look in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. I'll give you a heads up. In the book of Genesis, it literally means beginnings. Beginnings, and it's the beginning of pretty much everything, all right? In fact, it says in Genesis chapter 1 that God made the heavens and the earth, and he said, it is good. And then he says, and God made plants and animals, and he said, it is good. God made cats, and he said, it was really awful. Um, just saying. It's in the Bible. It's in Second Opinions. All right. Um. All right. <laughs> I mean, He he makes all of these things, it is good, it is good. God makes man, it is good. All of these things are good, but in chapter 2, verse 18 of of Genesis, we read the first time where God says something is not good. And look at what it says, it says this. Then the Lord said, it is not good for the man to be, what is the next word? Uh Alone. There it is. He says, if you want to know what's not good, aloneness. And some of you are going... I'm there. I know that's not good. Some of you, you're alone because you're single. And you're like, man, I just don't even want to be here today because you're talking about something I want. But let me tell you, as terrible as it is to be lonely and single, what's even worse is to be married and lonely and wishing you were single. Because that's where a lot of couples get to. You've heard the whole thing. One is the loneliest number. And it is. But here's the, there's this fact that happens that God doesn't want anybody to be alone. It's not good. I'm going to keep on reading. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Then the Lord God made woman, and he brought her to the man. That is huge. And I feel like one of the biggest homeworkers we're really going to be delving in today is the idea of isolation and giving your spouse the leftovers. Giving your spouse the leftovers. So that's where we're going to be at. Now... Keep on reading, verse 24. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined. And that word joined is the Hebrew word dubak. Dubak, and it literally means to cling to, to pursue hard after with great devotion. I like that. Dubak, to pursue his wife and the two are united as one. They must persistently pursue one another. You see, why couples have a tendency to drift is they put it on autopilot and they stop pursuing one another. And I'll tell you, one of the biggest mistakes I've made in our 19 years of marriage is not consistently, persistently pursuing my wife, Kim. Because we have this tendency as guys to think, okay, I've won her heart, I've won you know the, the, her ring on her finger, I'm good, now I can go on to the next thing. And that's never, ever the case when it comes to marriage. Guys, we're this conquering mentality, and we, we collect and we move on, collect and we move on. And we must, every day, pursue the heart and the soul of our spouse because if we stop pursuing, what will happen, it will, we will drift apart. In fact, that's our big idea today. When we stop pursuing, you start drifting. When we stop pursuing... We start drifting. Let me say it another way. When you stop pursuing, you start drifting.
1: You know, a lot of times in our marriages, it's not so much that we're necessarily on the, the verge of a divorce or that we're fighting all the time. We're just kind of coasting. You know, if we had to give a, a number on a scale of 1 to 10, we might say, well, yeah, we're, we're about 6. It's good. It's good. Everything's, everything's good. But do we want to settle for that? Is that where we want to find ourselves and where we want to be comfortable? You know, um, the greatest mistake and what destroys so many of our homes is what Chris said earlier, is finding out that that we're on autopilot, that we're just coasting along. And there are a couple of different things that play into that. And the first one I think would be familiarity. You know, when we get to know one another and we know what the other person is gonna say before they even say it. We know how they're going to react in a situation, we know what's going to make them mad, we know what's going to make them laugh, we know what's going to make them cry, which is great because it's good to be known in that way, but sometimes when we become so familiar with someone, we just feel like, well, you already know that about them, and we don't pour in the way we used to. It's, it's kind of like when you get a new car. Um, I don't think I've ever had a new car.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on, all right? Okay. Stick to the notes, Okay, I'm
1: sorry. Okay, car, car illustration. There it is. Okay, anyway, new car. Did you say get her a new car? You are the sweetest thing. No, no, it's good. We're all good.
0: I need your home address.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, when you first get a new car, it's clean. It smells like a new car. I think they make some of that spray, by the way, that makes your car smell new again, don't they? Yeah. The commissary? Oh, not the same. I thought you said the commissary. I was like, oh, get who me knew? Some. <laughs> um, but anyway, you know, the car is clean. It smells good, and the, it's all shiny, and there's, it's just like, oh, you can't wait to be in it. And, you know, if you get in with your family and you're like, we're not going through any drive throughs don't even ask. We're not having any. To keep your toys in the house. You know, keep your stuff where it belongs. It does not belong in my new car. But then as time goes along, you know... Well, you're running late, and oh my goodness, we got to get supper and go do this and do that, so let's, let's run through Sonic and, you know, get some food, and, you know, I mean, it's just the way it happens. After a while, the new car isn't so new, and there's crumbs in the back seat, and there's toy shirt all over the place, and, you know, you, you end up storing some things in there that you don't have room for in the house, you know. It's just like, uh, you know, you just, it just becomes familiar to you. And um, what once was so new and great and fun, is just, it's just kind of there, you know, um, and it can become that way in our marriages where we just, we just kind of assume, we know it's going to be there, it's something that we're used to, and, and we just don't, um, we don't spend the time taking care of it the way that we should. So being familiar is one thing. The second, and I know I'm going to hear an amen on this, is some exhaustion, you know? I, when we were watching that video earlier and the, the wife was talking about, you know, I, I haven't poured into you the way that I should because of the laundry, and because of the kids and because of the activities i am going to wholeheartedly agree that laundry is the evidence of the devil being in my house that is all i've got to say about it. i mean i just can't stand the laundry it just it never goes away there's always something dirty the minute you finish it someone pulls something off and it goes back in the basket you know it just oh y'all don't i you just don't know anyway and, you know, just that feeling of there's always something to do. Um, I so know that feeling. And, you know, as women, we are nurturers. And we long to take care of what God has given us. Um, I'm hugely blessed. I live with four males. Three, three of them are sons. Let me clarify that. Um, let me be super clear. That's on how that.
0: rumors get started. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> um but there are times when the four of them are either piled up on the bed or hanging out in the living room and and i hear this mama aren't you gonna come sit down mama aren't you gonna come be with us hey kim what you doing and you know for me i'm like give me give me just a minute give me just a minute. okay i'm gonna fold this real quick I'll be, oh, let me make lunches i'll be right in there you know and i am in my mind i'm doing something for my family those are things that have to be done. I'm taking care of them. I'm, I'm helping to provide for them. But that does not replace the time that I pour into them.
0: And, and let me tell you right here, we do this as guys, don't we, when we say, you know what, okay, I'm going to spend more time at work so I can provide for my family. Um, and we, think, we substitute that and we say, okay, we, my, my family knows that I love them because I'm working and I'm putting food on the table and all this stuff. But that also is an excuse for not really becoming intimate with your spouse. I mean, just like you said, the whole nurturing thing, we can get so busy doing things that we're not being in our marriage. So many times we're the same way, guys. We're so busy doing stuff on the job to provide for our family that we're really not present in our families. And that's huge. And one of the things about this, I know when, when we were married, um, we got married on December 11th, 1993, uh, we waited for five years to have kids, and we did that intentionally, and I totally remember we had tons of time together. We were in seminary at the time. I was at Dallas Seminary and uh, had a great time. I remember we used to wake up at like 10 o'clock on Saturday, and um, I totally remember that, and uh, we used to was, go to this place. It was wonderful. It? it was, it was wonderful. wonderful. We went to this little place called Cafe Brazil in Dallas, and we ate breakfast and on eggs, Benedict, and all this. It was so, we just got to hang out with one another. Here's the thing that happens when it comes to exhaustion. Usually, all of us, we get married when we're younger, and here's what we have. We have have very few responsibilities, and we have a lot of time and energy, right? So when we're young, very few responsibilities and a lot of time and energy, and you're just poor, poor, and you're like, oh, you know. Here's what happens when you get older. It goes like this. You have a lot of responsibilities, and you have very little time and then once you get finished all the responsibilities, you got very little energy, right? I mean, that's how it is. A lot of times when Kim and I, when we put all three of the kids in bed and we're, like, getting ready to have a, you know, we go to our, our bed and we want to talk and all this stuff, we, our head hits the pillow and I start drooling and snoring. And, you know, she's, she's sleeping too. I don't know if you drool, but... Sleeping beauty. <laughs> there you are. All right, so, it, I mean, we have a lot of responsibilities, but very little time and energy. And when that happens, exhaustion takes place and, we ha- and what we have this tendency to do, w- since we only have 24 hours of the day, you're, we're going to have to shortchange something. I've got all these responsibilities with work or army or kids or whatever it is, so who do we shortchange? We shortchange our spouse. And when we do that, we start putting it on autopilot. We start coasting. And let me tell you, here's a great quote I read this past week. Anytime you start drifting and coasting through in your marriage, that is a sign that you're going downhill. Think about this. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to ride my bike regularly. And the uh, other day I went uh, bike riding with a guy by the name of Tom Henry. And uh, Tom and I, we uh, rode eight miles, and we went up this one hill, and I, I just got slower and slower and slower until eventually I had to stop and I was going to walk my bike up. And he said, uh-uh, we ain't doing that. He says, I want you to go back down the hill and we're going to do it again. And I looked at him and I'm like, you are Satan. <laughs> so, uh, but we did it and, uh, and, and I ended up making it up the hill without having to walk and all this stuff. But you know what? After I got up that hill, you know what was, what was coming? Downhill, baby, and I coasted. I was the king of the world. All right, it was a but there's something, here's the thing, when you start coasting in your marriage, that means it's going downhill, and that's not a good place to be. That is huge, that is huge.
1: There's not a single area in our marriage that if we neglect it, it we'll see improvement. You know, if you want to be physically fit, you can't sit on the couch with the remote and a bag of Lay's potato chips and be like, ooh, I am working, out! yes, this arm is going to be in shape. It doesn't work that way. You have to put in the work. It's the same way with your relationship with your spouse. If you want to pursue your spouse, you're going to have to get creative about it. You're going to have to take the time to do it. Is it going to be difficult? Probably, because all of those other responsibilities that we have don't go away just because we want to pursue our spouse. So we do have to think about it. We have to invest our time in it, our thoughts in it, our hearts in it, and then we have to work on making that happen. So there's not a single area of your life that you can neglect and expect to see improvement. And that is so true when it comes to pouring into our spouses. You
0: know that's true. I mean, it takes a lot of energy to date creatively, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's easy to say, "Hey, let's just go get something to eat and go to the movies." Does that foster any communication? No, it doesn't. You know, it takes a, y'all really had to think about that one, didn't you? Uh, it takes a lot of energy for uh, for you to be able to do conflict resolution in your marriage. Right? It's a whole lot easier to just walk out the door. But it takes energy to do that. It takes energy to pursue your spouse. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. The second thing is that we have to elevate evaluation. You want to talk about that?
1: You know, I think we're quick to evaluate our spouses. You know, I I wish he would do this. Oh, he should have done it that way. Oh, perhaps it could have been done this or that. I wouldn't have done it that way, but... Um, you know, that idea of we see things in others that um, we want to quickly evaluate, but in order to continue to pursue our spouses, we have to, we have to evaluate ourselves. We have to look inwardly first before we want to pick apart the other person. Is this an easy thing? Absolutely not. Prime example, um, one of my love languages is writing. So that means that I love to receive things that are written a love note, a note of encouragement, things along those lines. So if I want Chris to do that for me, if that's something that I value, if I go around the house in a snit and I'm picking apart every little thing and why isn't this done and this wasn't put away and this isn't how it should be and oh my goodness, and everyone is on pins and needles because I am a complete wreck and the laundry still isn't finished.
0: Are we back on the laundry again?
1: Yeah, we are. (laughs) It never goes away. Um, There's just that... You know, I haven't done anything to foster any quality that would make him want to write me a note and say, you are the angel of my life. I just think that you're just awesome because I've just gone around and basically burned bridges and I haven't encouraged anyone, I haven't loved on anyone. Do you see that connection there? So I need to evaluate what I am doing. How am I acting? What are the choices that I'm making so that I continue to be that person that he first saw and fell in love with and thought was so great so that he longs to continue to pour into me?
0: There's a verse in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 that talks about this and it says this, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, I love that verse. The next verse is probably a verse that many of us hate, and it's Ephesians 5.22. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. And then in 5.25, it says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. But here's the thing. All of those are great, but the linchpin of all of those is this verse right here. You see, yes, wives are su- supposed to submit. Yes, husbands are supposed to love wives. But the underpinning of all of that is we are to submit to one another. Um, and that is really the key. And this, and this, this is where really where I want to land on this. Our marriage and our future of our marriage needs to focus on my responsibilities rather than my rights. It needs to focus on my responsibilities rather than my rights. Because if I say, you know what, you should do this, and you should do this, and you should do this, those are rights, and those are not going to get us anywhere. But if I focus on what I need to be doing, then you know what? Amazingly enough, many times that spouse might change, and even if that spouse doesn't change, God will be there, and he will be honoring you because you are focusing on you and not on the other person this is huge and this is just a, a one thing I just want to say about this to singles if you're single here so many of us we have this tendency to focus on finding mr. right finding mrs. right Oh, I, you know what if he's the one what if she's the one all this, gang yeah, yeah, yeah. you know I really think if we spent more time focusing on being mr. right or being mrs. right then God will show up and do some amazing things in our lives and Kim and I we were talking about this last night that, you know what, we've been married now for 19 years this December, and we met when we were 15 years old, but you know what, over the years we have changed. I am not the same person that she married 19 years ago, and she is not the same person that I married 19 years ago. We have changed, and what's changed is we've went through experiences together. We've had a heartbreak together. Um, we've seen good times and bad times together. And looking back, if, if we had never met one another, and we're the same person we are today, I don't know if we would have naturally fallen in love as quickly as we did, because we're different. And I hear this so many times for couples. Uh, and usually, let me tell you, when somebody comes into my, in the counseling saying, hey, can you counsel us, it's usually one person there for marriage counseling. What does that tell the other spouse? I'm not interested. I'm not willing to do the hard job and the hard work to pursue. I've given up. And it's sad. It totally is just, it's heartbreaking.
1: Our spouse is not our enemy.
0: Yes, that's Um, exactly right. Go ahead.
1: You know, so when we find ourselves in a place of trying to resolve conflict or trying to work through some of the issues that life may throw our way, you know, so often the first person that we look to and we want to blame or we want to attack is our spouse because it is the person that we're close to. It is the person that we have expectations of. Some of those may be healthy, some may be not so healthy, but that when we find ourselves in that place that we are able to look at our spouse and say, you are not my enemy. I am fighting for our marriage, I am fighting with you for us. I don't want to fight against you. I want to work with you.
0: Good, that's good. And you know, here's the thing about that. If I can piggyback on that, if if we're fighting against one another, and there has to be a winner or a loser, we've already lost. You hear what I'm saying? If you are fighting in your marriage and you are fighting to win, that means somebody else has to lose, and that means the relationship loses. So don't fight with one another fight for one another and that means there's going to be some difficult times there's going to have to be some times where you have to sit down and you have to talk you know going back about the whole us changing and this really is the key because i've heard this so many times well you know what i'm not i don't like her anymore i don't love her anymore because she is she's a different person than the person i married well let me tell you that's normal you're different all right you're different physically you're different emotionally you're different spiritually in every way because circumstances and experiences have happened to you and you change in fact the only person that never changes is a dead person a cadaver so embalm right seriously but here's the thing about this Uh, this is so key that if you pursue your spouse persistently even when they change you will change along with them give you an example Two years ago, my wife, she wasn't sports, athletic, or nothing, all right? I, I, I don't mind putting your business out in the Thank street. Um, she didn't even own a pair of tennis shoes. N- I mean, I don't think had you ever owned a pair of tennis shoes?
1: Yes, to okay. work in
0: the yard. Uh, to work in the yard, okay. So she's never been athletic. Well, start about, about a year and a half ago, she says, I, I think I want to start running, okay? Well, I don't run. I don't know if y'all know that about me, all right? <laughs> I run from big dogs, and that's about it, right? But one of the things, as she has gotten into this, I, and I want to pursue her, then I am going to be interested in the things that she is interested in. So I'm there yesterday making a fool of myself at the Music City you know, Marathon, you, know, you know, doing all this stuff, and doing this, trying to find her through it, because I am interested in her. If she changes, I change, because we're actively pursuing one another. Anything you want to talk about that?
1: Well, you're becoming quite the Lance Armstrong. Start riding uh, your right? That's yeah. pretty cool. I look
0: like Lance Armstrong with a thyroid problem. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> All right, very good. All right, anything else you want to say before we answer well, some questions? I'm,
1: but I think your point is well made that, you know, if your spouse is interested in something and you, doesn't mean you necessarily have to jump on the bandwagon and do that thing with them. Um, I'm probably not going to
0: start riding a bike. I um, am definitely not going to run a marathon.
1: Um, but just that idea that you're willing to support that person in whatever it is. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an activity, um, but, you know, just that idea of Um, If this is something that that you are interested in, something that you love, I want you to know that I support you. It doesn't mean you have to take on that same thing, but just show a willingness to be involved in and to listen and understand the things that makes your spouse who they are. Because as time goes on and we do change, um, that is the way that you change with your spouse just be sure that you keep those lines of communication open and that you're just talking through that and being willing to learn with them.
0: Thanks, babe. I've really enjoyed doing this with you. Looking forward to the next four weeks. So Let's answer some questions about this. Um, We don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to zip through them. It says this, I've been struggling with my divorce that was just finalized on the 13th. He cheated and I never knew, and even though I wanted it to work on making it better, um, he wanted nothing more than to get out. I'm angry because he cheated and lied all of those years, and he insisted on getting out, and yet I feel like the failure. I can't seem to find the peace to move on and to find what I know I deserve without feeling guilty myself. Wow. Um, You know, I'll say this biblically, um, and I don't know all the story, but, um, you know, God is for you. You The Bible gives two instances for divorce that he allows it. Uh, One uh, is when somebody cheats uh, with an affair, and we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks, Um, but also if somebody just wants out of the marriage, if they abandon you, what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So um, I won't even pretend to say that I know what you're feeling because I don't. I really would encourage you um, to be able to get some counseling through this because it's going to be, here's the thing about it, you feel like a failure because you were willing to work on the relationship, and he wasn't. And that right there uh, tells me a lot about your character and your willingness to be able to work on this marriage even though the other person wasn't equally devoted. And I'll say this as well. I see this all the time, that where somebody is 100% in on the marriage and then somebody is 20% in, let me tell you, that's never going to work. And the person who is 100% sold out to the relationship is going to feel like a dirt bag when the relationship ends, and it will It will, unless God does something amazing in that other person's life. And uh, that right there, it's not, I mean, it takes two to tango, all right? It's not just your fault. So I would encourage you to spend some time and not move on to the next person. Spend some time with just you and God and for you to emotionally get healthy so that whenever God feels it right to be able to bring another person along that you're emotionally healthy so that you can be able to connect with that person. Anything you want to add on that? Okay. Um, Next question. Um, It says this. Why is it that girls try so hard to get the guy but the guy doesn't do the same? Hmm. I don't know if I would agree with that um i tried really hard to get you um i did and i got you (laughs) um so i don't know where you're looking for guys um but i'll say this if you're single and if you're if 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 you want a a godly guy probably the best place you maybe just be the, the pond that you're fishing in you hear what i'm saying let me tell you guys i'm gonna tell you this all right shameless plug if you are single and you want a hot date go work in the babies. I kid you not. I'm serious. Hang out with me just for a sec, because that tells somebody that somebody out there you like children, and women are like oh, all over children, right? So I'm just saying, if you're a single guy, you need to go work in the babies. Just hang out with me, baby. Hang out, all right, all right. So how would you know? I've worked in the babies. Uh huh. Uh huh. All right. Anyway, keep on going. All right. No, I'm serious. It may be the the pond that you're fishing in. You might want to change your approach. Um, So give you a heads up. All right, last one. My husband's job is constant stress and divides in our marriage. Even when he isn't deployed, he is constantly gone flying or sleeping. He makes time uh, for the kids while I get shortchanged. We need his job for our our autistic child. How can I get him to see how much I need him uh, to see me again? All right. You want to answer that one? How does, she, how does she get her spouse to see her?
1: Uh, we had a question similar to this in first service. So it was just talking about the stresses of life making it difficult to um, pour into your marriage the way that you want to. Um, their situation was a little bit different in that their uh, job schedules, one work morning, one work nights so They were kind of passing each other in between. Um, but I know that for families here that are in the military... Um, I grew up with a dad who was in the military and saw that same thing where if he wasn't gone out in the field or, you know, gone six months to an assignment um, that, you know, my mom and I often um, just kind of saw him come and go. I feel like for a lot of our life, that's what we did was watch him just come in, go out, come in, go out. And um, I think that's one of those times where we talked about that's where you have to get creative. That's where you really have to determine What is it um, that we are going to do to foster our relationship? What are the things that we're going to draw boundaries on that will not crowd in on our time? Um, Where are the things that we're going to say, this is our time. This is where we pour into one another. Your children are important. Yes, they are. But if your marriage is not strong, your home will not be healthy. So you have to continue to pour into your spouse because, as we all know, children have these freaky little antennas. We can't see them, but I know they're there, and they tune in on things like that. I mean, I know that my middle son, the past couple weeks have been really stressful for us, and he's just been very much mama, 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 cling, cling, cling. And, you know, he just senses that something is not quite right in our schedule and in our life. It's that same thing with our spouse. So, although you, you understand and you appreciate what's going on, you have to be diligent about setting that time aside and saying, if we do not protect this, no one or nothing else will protect it for us. We have to do it.
0: And I'll say this um, as we're going off stage because we're a little bit long. Um, you know, this person's question was, What happens because he's not noticing you? I would just say, Don't stop, don't quit don't stop you know one of these things marriage is a covenant it's not a contract a contract is if you do this i will do this right we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks um but it's really really important uh, you need you just need to pour and pour and pursue and pursue and pursue with no expectations that he will ever reciprocate because if you have okay i'll do this if you do this the marriage is already done you give you give and you give, and you know what what's going to happen? He will either change or and I'm, I'm, this is only just with, he'll either change or God will something will happen. All right? You remember how we talked about one of the definitions of submission is the wife ducking so that when God hits, he hits your spouse and not you. And one of the things I'm, I'm serious, ladies. Um, and, and I mean, we you are called to submit you poor 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 and you know what god will take care of your spouse And it, i'm going to talk to the guys you poor 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 you pursue pursue and i'm telling you God will meet you even when things don't may not even look like they're going to change He will meet you where he's at and where you're at with him. He will totally do that. So just don't stop Don't quit keep on Persistently pursuing let's pray Dear God, I just thank you so much, Lord, for your life and for your love, Lord. I pray, Lord, um, for all of the marriage and marriages and relationships here at One Church, Lord. I pray that during this series that we do some specific things, we that we uh, like we're talking about today, the Lord, that this week that we would pursue our spouse, Lord. If that's uh, over email or texting, if they're not here, or if that's in person, God, that we don't stop persistently pursuing them, God. That we don't just give them leftovers. Lord, that we um, don't shortchange our marriages and put it on autopilot. Lord, I pray that you would allow us not to coast anymore. And Lord, that you would make our marriage and our spouse a priority in our life. Above our children, above our work, above our friendships, above just fun times being out. Lord, that we would make our spouse a priority. And, Lord, that, we, that you would be able to come in and meet us even when we can't make it better, God, because we can't change the heart of that other person. You can. And, Lord, we're trusting in you to be able to do some amazing things in our relationships. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.